0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson. Today is Thursday july 22nd uh and i am super honored and thankful to have my g- next guest is bernie Pleskoff, our man on the scene former major league baseball scout you frequently hear him on mondays on the sirius xm show when we're doing baseball talk uh and he's also on our, our site all the time and he's, you can also find him on forbes and of course on twitter at bernie bernie welcome to the show how you doing
2: I'm great, Jeff, and it really is good to be with you. I- I'm so happy to be talking baseball, just me and you, Jeff. That'll be really cool.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm ex- super excited about that too, especially because now it's all f- a lot of football these days. But the podcast, we still get to do that here. I'll be re- I'd be remiss uh, remiss in not mentioning this. Uh, podcast is sponsored by WinBet.com. We'll tell you a little bit later in the show about how you can go and uh, play at WinBet. So we'll we'll t- do that here. Uh, big news right off the top. Uh, you and I met. At at the Arizona Fall League, through First Pitch Arizona, Jason Gray introduced us. Uh, We met at a Fall League game, uh, Mm -hmm. and through that, you started writing for us there, and we now have an Arizona Fall League this fall again.
2: You bet, Jeff. It's going to start in October. Mm -hmm. It'll start, I believe, on October 23rd, and it'll go through November, and they're going to use the same venues that they've always used, the same six and they go all through the uh, Phoenix Valley. So basically, I think rosters will come out in August. And what we need to know is that we've got a lot of pitchers, a lot of hitters that need to catch up time for a missed 2020 right. and for limited play this year. So, you know, I think the Arizona Fall League is probably the most important baseball that I watch. As a former scout and now as an analyst, I get to see these guys every day up close, down on the field, in the dugout. It's just a fabulous experience.
1: It is. It's amazing. I love it. I love going. You see it. You can see it the game from any vantage point that you want um i've even come up and joined you in the press box every once in a while too Uh, you know it's quasi available for us there as long as it's not the fall stars game but you know you sit with the scouts you sit right up behind home plate if you want you want to sit down the line you can do that too you you want to make it a priority to go get a foul ball you can do that because it's going to happen uh that's the beauty of the
2: fall league um, and, you know, it's so inexpensive to go, Jeff. The the cost for people is their air travel and their hotel. But to get into the games, it's very reasonable, probably around $5. And like you said, you can sit anywhere you want. You want to sit in the front row? You can sit in the front row. You want to sit back further? You know, take your pick. And there's only a couple hundred people at every game. The weather you can count on in Phoenix in October, it's beautiful and Basically, the players are very, very friendly. For autograph hounds, you know, that's the place to get autographs of future stars.
1: I was told a great – I saw this on Twitter, a great hint. Uh, Instead of chasing down autographs, try to get pictures. Pictures are forever. You know, you get a picture with the player and you you keep it. You can do whatever – you know. I think it's a lot more valuable. And they're very willing to do that
2: too. Yeah, they are because in in most cases, Jeff, they're not stars yet. You know, I got to see all of the the, the Arenados of the world and the mm-hmm. Bryant, those type of guys uh, before. Albert Pujols had a terrible fall league, and basically. What you're looking about is guys trying to get in shape, trying to get the eyes of scouts. And the other thing we haven't mentioned yet is there's scouts and teen GMs from all 30 clubs watching all these players. Right. And immediately right after the fall league, you see trades with these guys because that's a showcase for them. It's finishing school. But that's a showcase. So it really is great baseball.
1: It's managerial training ground, umpire training ground, you name it there. Um, It's fantasy analyst training ground because First Pitch Arizona is going to be there again. I just got the email from Baseball HQ Ray Murphy, Brent Hershey putting on a great show as always. Uh, It's uh, going to be October 14th through 17th. So I'll be there. I'll be a presenter at First Pitch Arizona as I always am. And I'll see you at the ballpark when we do that. And there'll be some poker games in the evening, you know, all that good stuff there. Uh, A lot of us in the fantasy uh, community have loved this event and it it is really 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 awesome and i think you've spoke there one time too right
2: yeah i did i spoke at that event once and i've only attended it uh one time but unfortunately you're not going to be here when the fall league starts it doesn't start until the 23rd and it ends in november yeah the the november before thanksgiving yeah that that saturday i believe
1: okay well then maybe they'll change the dates then we'll see but uh that's what i saw so interesting uh yeah mid mid october your return now i'm looking at the baseball uh baseball america article there and we'll see about that but yeah uh that would be a bummer hopefully that gets fixed a little bit there then
2: yeah they could probably fix that there's lots of open hotels in phoenix in october if they if they haven't buttoned that down yet because it is great
1: yeah it is it's really truly awesome uh so Keep a heads up with the Baseball HQ folks. They'll let you know for sure on the dates and all that as far as the conference goes. But I'm excited about uh, that that conference as always. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some other news of the day. Uh, I'm a Reds fan. Uh, I, I've made that pretty clear. They got bad news on Nick Castellanos' wrist injury. Looks like he's going to be out at least a couple of weeks. And, you know, when he does come back, you know, we how many times have we talked about wrist and hand and finger injuries, how that saps power from players. So, you know, they're, they've got two conflicting things. They're – trying to hang on in this race they need castellanos badly but at the same time you know he, he might not be at full full function it does probably take him off the table for trade talks though
2: i think it does jeff and he was hit by a pitch yep. and that's how, that's how that's how it broke and as you just mentioned a wrist is critical absolutely and if they rush him back that will be a mistake because they can exacerbate the injury, number one. And number two, it's going to sap him of his self-confidence, because his swing is not going to be the same unless he is totally recovered. So I would hope that the Reds are prudent about this. I think they will be. Let him fully recover from a wrist injury. It's the same thing with a forearm or your fingers, but a wrist is where – the torque comes from, in addition to the legs, of course. But if you look at great wrist hitters, Henry Aaron was was probably the best I ever saw. You know, the wrist gets that swing plane perfect. And unless Castellanos is 100%, I wouldn't play him.
1: Yeah, uh, and that's going to be a, a tough, tough decision for them and for him also. And, you know, they're, they're kind of at this point where they didn't invest in the offseason. Uh, in fact, they shed off, you know, Rizel Iglesias. They let Archie Riley walk without a uh, contract offer even. You know, they're, they're, I think the last check, they're seven games out uh, behind the Brewers, six and a half, seven games out behind the Brewers. They had that sweep. They got swept by him over the weekend, past weekend. Yeah. Uh, they're in a tough spot, and you know, I don't think they're going to be buyers at the deadline. They might be standing pat, though.
2: Yeah, and, and I don't know who they have to sell, to tell you the truth. When I look at that roster, as I did yesterday for my upcoming wire article, I'm really looking at who they can sell. They're not going to sell Castillo. I wouldn't do that, especially since he's coming on now. Yeah. He's pitching some tough luck, but this guy's a good pitcher. And if you can pitch in Cincinnati, Jeff, you can pitch anywhere, except yeah. Colorado but you know I, I would not get rid of any of these guys not you know Winker has probably the most value at this point he's not going anywhere now so I, I think they're going to stand pat I think you're exactly right
1: yeah, It's not as if they have relievers to sell off. Um, they're, they're, they're desperate for relief help, and that's the problem. But uh,
2: And for a shortstop, Jeff, they need to get into that free agent market that I think is going to be depressed because of the Lindor experience. I think those shortstops are, are not going to make the money that they think they're going to make, and I think the Reds can be a player for a shortstop. Just my opinion. They I should think, be. They I really think, should be.
1: I don't know if they will, but they should
2: be. They, The experience with Lindor is going to turn off a lot of owners, maybe not general managers, but owners who looked at that, see this guy hitting 210, and they're going to say, you know, I'm not going 10 years. I may not go five years. So Story is not having a great year. And the other guy's Correa is is probably leaping over Story right now, but I'm not sure Houston will let him go. So I don't know what's left. You're not going to get Seager cheaply, but – I would look at the secondary market at shortstop if I were the Reds, and I'd go, you know, get a prospect, get somebody that's really, really good.
1: What about Marcus Semien? Great year this year.
2: Yeah, And I don't know that he's going anywhere. I think he's going to get a payday. He's had a great year. He was an all-star. He is an all-star. Yeah. So I think if the Reds are going to improve, that's the position and the pen that they really have to shore up yeah Brandon Crawford's
1: another one. he just got hurt though um and we'll see about his oblique injury and all that but uh you know the giants they they're they're an incredible story, best record in the national league, and you know they they keep on defying the odds. They beat the Dodgers last night, Kenley Jansen blew one that was a tough one for Dodger fans, but uh you know doing it without Bell. They're doing it without Crawford now. Uh, they, they've had a number of other injuries here and there. I mean, every team has injuries. The Dodgers haven't had Mookie Betts this series. It's a fun series, uh, but uh, and it's just I, – I, I keep thinking that the Giants are ahead of themselves. They're two years ahead of themselves, but here they are, and they just keep hanging on.
2: And what's remarkable is the home runs they're hitting. Yeah. Who knew that this team would be a home run hitting club? You know, I just saw them last week here in Phoenix, and they have a nice balance of very good starting pitching, and they're going to go out and get a pitcher. They may go out and get a Duffy type, you know, that Mm -hmm. doesn't cost them a lot of money, gives them a left-handed arm in in the rotation. That's the type of pitcher I see them going after. And, you know, don't be shocked if they go after a guy like Cruz. Believe it or not, that's a guy that they – and I know he's a DH, but if they could somehow find a way to play that guy in the field, maybe not Cruz, but a big bat like Cruz, to really crush pitching. Cruz is not a good example because of the lack of DH. But if they if they could go out and get a big bat and put them, put themselves in a position to get a middle of the order slugger, boy, they could be unbeatable.
1: Yeah, I think that. I, I think they'll add some relief help. You saw Rogers blow one on Tuesday night. I uh, came back, got that saved last night, at least. But uh, I think they're a little short there. You know, they could. I don't think it'll be Kimbrel, but I think it could be like Chafin. You know, I think that's the way they could approach this. There, uh,
2: it could be Rodriguez from Pittsburgh too. Yeah, that's a perfect fit for me.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. You know, I think he gets dealt for sure. So we'll see if it happens to be the Giants that do that. We're getting close to that time, though. We saw the Jock Peterson trade right at the end of the All-Star break. I thought we'd see a couple more dominoes fall by now, but uh, I'm looking forward to maybe this weekend it gets going in earnest.
2: Jeff, it's all money. You know, these baseball owners now are so reticent to take on salary because they still don't know what the bottom line will be with attendance in the seats. I was at the Diamondbacks game yesterday where there are 8,000 people, 7,000 the night before. I, I just don't know how you're going to pay your bills when you're, you know, you're bringing in 7,000 people, 8,000 people a game. And then there are other clubs that are doing very, very well, high turnouts. But, you know, you look at Tampa Bay and you look at Oakland. These are winning baseball teams, Jeff, and they're not drawing flies. This is a problem, and it's a problem of parity that really MLB has to deal with. And if they are reticent to trade, it's because they don't want to take on money. Well, or they don't want to give up money if they have to, to to get rid of a
1: high-priced player. See, the thing, the problem, though, I have is you look at Oakland. They've been playing the, – they, they've been – setting this up for a couple of years now. I mean, they started laying off scouts, front office employees. Uh, you know, they've been playing this new stadium game for quite some time now. We just had a hearing this week in Oakland uh, where the city council approved one thing and then the you know front office of Oakland says, well, that's not what we want. That's not sufficient. It's almost and like a little a bait and switch.
2: They gave them everything. I don't know what they didn't want. What, what was bad about it? And I think it's a stalling tactic, frankly. I really do. I think they're going to try to drag this out as long as they can. And the commissioner's now getting a little antsy about this. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them to move, but I think it's going to be a tough sell in in Las Vegas. That's right. just my opinion. We'll see. I mean, they're talking about
1: knocking down the Rio uh, to build a new stadium there. But, you know, they're t- okay. we're still at like getting approved for that. I mean, it takes years to build a stadium, even if they do agree. I mean, they got to play somewhere until then uh that's the thing that's kind of going to be pretty dicey there tampa and oakland though they kind of polluted their market that's the thing that i always have a problem with is they 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 cry they play cry poor me for so long why would you show up to support them
2: arizona to a certain extent too four or five teams i really can and that's that's a problem that you and i have talked about and it's continuing you know you cannot continue to depress the market for your own players and then trading them off, not signing them, and then saying, oh, you know, we can't draw here, so now we're going to threaten our fan base and say we're going to move. I mean, the public is tired of that. They're tired of seeing the disparity between a team that has a $45 million payroll and a team that has a 200 million dollar payroll. What's wrong with this picture? Now Tampa wins without a payroll. Oakland wins without a payroll, but they don't draw fans because they turn their fans off with, we, you know, we're so poor, we can't afford to keep uh, Josh Donaldson, et cetera, et cetera, and it just, it, it just never ends.
1: Well, let's go back to Semien for a second. There, they they offer them this insulting offer, uh, absolutely. You know, one year eleven million, but not just that. Everything's deferred, like one million here, or one million there. Yeah, right. Fisher, the owner of the, uh, the of the A's, is worth over a billion dollars. It's not multiple, an afford issue. Yeah, it, it's, he's like the fourth or fifth richest owner in Major League Baseball. And, you know, that that whole poor me game just rings so hollow. Yes, you're not a huge market, but you're also, you are you're not like selling apples on the corner either. I mean, come on.
2: They right. uh, have a tag day for any of these owners. And it's how they choose. You know, it's not it's not a trend. It's a business model. Yeah, this is a business model for Pittsburgh and Cleveland and Oakland and Tampa Bay. This is how they run their business. And maybe that's how they became billionaires as be. You know, sewing up their, their wall, they're sewing their wallets in their pockets, but it it isn't getting any better. And in collective bargaining, as we've talked about before, there will be even more money coming in with the betting money. So these guys are not going to get poorer; they're going to get richer. And as of today, they still have not shown the players their books.
1: They never will. They never have. I mean, read Lords of the Realm. I mean, this goes back you know, it's it's generations. I mean, this is – it's always – look at Babe Ruth. I mean, you want to go – you can go a, a century ago and you can see this sort of behavior. It's, it's always been there. It's always been that tension in baseball. Uh, I want to mention the Dodgers still. Mookie Betts still out with the hip injury. You know, his day-to-day, every day, it's kind of getting annoying. But because uh, this You've is like got
2: to go on the IL, Jeff. They've got to be able to replace that player. Yep. If he can't move his hips to swing, you know, how good is he going to be? He's a great player but your hips and your wrists you know that's critical stuff and if he's not 100% get a player up there and put him on the on the IL
1: yeah they, that's they my they're running out of players to get up there but uh, that that's their biggest problem but you know just to even have a pinch hitter you know it would be nice they've really taxed their depth a lot this season Remember, we kept on talking about how are they going to get all these uh, starting pitchers in there yeah amazing you know.
2: how quick you go through them.
1: yep uh, we saw Josiah Gray make his uh, debut this week. Actually, I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, he gave up the homers, but he also got a lot of strikeouts with that slider. I think there's some the promise for him in the long run. I'm excited about him. But they're down Kershaw, and it's not just we. Remember when people were speculating that was Dodgeritis? Oh, they're just resting him for the All Star break. No, that's not the case. This is real, and it's not even next week. It's looking. It's looking for a few more weeks.
2: Yeah, and they're down Bauer. Yeah. You know- and look, this is a team that we thought had great pitching. They did, and they're they're without three of their starters. Uh, I just think they're going to go out. If anybody can go out and get a pitcher, it it's the Dodgers. If anybody can get Scherzer, it's the Dodgers. You know, don't put it past them to give up one of their great catching prospects, and they're loaded with those. And take him to the, to the Nationals for Scherzer.
1: Yeah, Ruiz would be an ideal target. Perfect. For the,
2: yeah. Perfect. And but Scherzer has to give up his no trade. You know, he's 5'10".
1: I think he'd do it for the Dodgers, though.
2: I think he would, too.
1: It's not yeah. like they're sending him to Siberia. Uh, they're sending him to a chance to win right now in a big market, unless he hates L.A., which is possible. Um, but I live out here. I can, yeah, see, I can he see it.
2: He wants that ring, Jeff. And yes, he's he does. It. Yeah.
1: He does, indeed. Um, also, so Kershaw's out, Jacob DeGrom is out. This is a nightmare for pitchers right now, and I guess he's starting to throw this week, but this is like the third time he's dealt with something this year.
2: I took him at 1-5 and 1-6, Jeff, and I was very confident. I made the decision of DeGrom over Cole. I weighed it. I looked at all the stats, all the metrics. DeGrom is the guy, and he was the guy. Yeah. Uh, Who knew that this would keep creeping up? And you know what's interesting? Every MRI has come back clean. Yes. Go figure. figure. What is it? Is it mental? Can he not pitch in pain? Probably I wouldn't want to do it. And if you do it, we've talked about this, Jeff, in the past. When you pitch in pain and you compensate, you screw up your mechanics. He knows that. So I think he's on the sidelines is more precautionary than anything else, and now you're not going to see him for at least two more starts.
1: Yeah, it's it's really tough. Now, next year, are you going to draft him at one five? Say he comes back after two starts and he, he's back to being himself again.
2: Jeff, he's so great, but you know, I'm a scout, and when a scout has dealt with arm, elbow, forearm issues, boy, that's a yellow light for me. Yeah, And no, I won't take him at 1.5. I will not. Okay. Even if he's perfect the rest of the season. What he has shown me with these three injuries is enough for me to back off. And if I want to get a pitcher, I'm going to look somewhere else. There are great pitchers in Major League Baseball. Not at 1.5 and 1.6, but I don't think I'm going – I, I'm not going to Grom next year. It's a no, tough man, call because tough. he's the 1.1 1. 1 right now, if you think about
1: it. I mean, he's, he's been the most valuable player in baseball. At least he was. Uh, I think he might have given that up. But he was like head and shoulders over every pitcher. It wasn't even close.
2: Oh, yeah, right. Well, it was for me. When yeah. I looked at Cole, I, I looked at a guy that I have, have watched since day one. Okay. I remember, I, I'll tell you a quick story about Garrett Cole when I was scouting. Um, it was in the fall, league when we were allowed to talk to people, and I went up to Garrett Cole, and I said to him, do you mind giving me your phone number or your email? So during the season, this is your, your rookie year. If I want to get in touch with you, I can do that. He looked me in the eye, Jeff, and he said, I don't even know you. Why would I give you my phone number or my email? No. And you know what? I knew right then and there, <laughs> this guy has some guts, man. I'll tell you what, I had so much respect for him saying that to me. I, I've done that with tons of players and I've you know they've responded. Nobody has ever said to me, "I don't know you man, right I'm not giving you my phone number and email. No way I'm saying I want this guy on the mound because he's a bulldog. and you know what? he is.
1: He is. that. He definitely is. Um, one more news item. I love that. I love that story. That is awesome. Uh, one more news item. Alex Kirilov for the Twins out for the season. He tried to play through the wrist injury and couldn't. He's now out. Uh, kind of gets an incomplete grade for me for the season, unfortunately, because he's been playing through this for a long time. So clearly it's impacted his stats.
2: Give him a pass. And look at Miguel Sano. He's going to get more playing time. I hate to say it, but he's going to be in that lineup. They may want to trade him, and they may put him in that lineup for two weeks to showcase him. But when Miguel Sano is on as big as he is, when he connects, which isn't often, man, that ball just flies. So I don't know if I want to buy into Miguel Sano for the rest of the year. You'll find him on waiver wires. People cut left and right. You will. So I don't know if he's, you know, I, I'm, it's intriguing to me, Jeff, because he's going to get playing time.
1: Yeah, I, I've had him and dropped him in some 12-teamers this year.
2: Exactly. So did I, three yeah. times. There you go. I took the flyer, and I, it
1: didn't work. That's right. Uh, before we move on uh, talk about Bernie's process, quick note from our sponsors on the Blue Wire Network.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
1: And that was a quick note. Uh, if you are listening right now, uh, we are happy to have you back. My, I'm Jeff Erickson. My guest is Bernie Pleskoff. As I've alluded, Bernie is a major league scout, former major league scout, always a major league scout in my mind. Uh, do you still watch games as if you're scouting them?
2: There's no other way.
1: Yeah, I mean, can't I turn it to, off, right?
2: Here it is, Jeff. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. This is the this is the baby. This is the baby. This okay. is the Bible. That I got in Scout School. This is what tells me what a Scout is all about. Okay. So I learned that. It's a textbook, and we were tested on it. And believe me, that's the only way I can watch a baseball game. So what I look for is perhaps different than what a basic fan will look for, but I think you're you're gonna find that fans look for a lot of the same things that I do. But I will never stop being a baseball scout, and I will never stop analyzing a player and grading a player as if I were a baseball scout. You
1: just it's can't stupid. turn it off. It's like like I coach my daughter in soccer, and I have for 11, 12 years. Every time I watch a soccer game, I watch it as if I'm a coach. You know, and you're like what am I looking for? How am I going to analyze this here? Absolutely.
2: Yeah, it's a tape in my head, and that tape is not good. The tape is going to change as the game has evolved, but I'm not going to turn the tape in my head off. Okay. So you're going to a game.
1: Say, you know, I don't think the Diamondbacks are in, are, got a home game tonight, do they?
2: Not until next weekend okay. against the Dodgers.
1: Okay, so you're going to go to the Dodger game next week. Talk me through your process. How early do you get to the park?
2: Okay, I, it's not like when I was a pro scout. Now, when I was a scout, I sat behind the plate at Diamondback Games next to Roland Heeman and Bobby Knopp for years. Okay. okay. Even before, for Literally for years. Those were the three. It was Bernie, Bobby, and Roland. And I'll tell you what, I learned so much from Roland and Bobby. Bobby Knopp, for those that don't know Bobby Knopp, he was with the Angels and the White Sox, one of the greatest human beings I've ever been around. And, and I could just sit there and listen to him all day long. And when you're a baseball scout, you never talk about players on your team. If you're a good scout, you keep your mouth shut, and you listen to other people talk about players on their team, because some people do, not Bobby. I didn't learn about his players when he was with the Angels. I learned about what he looks for in a game. And it's just so incredible. And the difference between metrics and being live in scouting is really simple, Jeff. You can't see a person's heart through their metrics. You can't see a a baseball player loafing down the line to first base because the cameras follow the ball. Mm-hmm. You can't see a guy walking out to his position between innings because the cameras aren't there between innings. You can't see a guy moping and, you know, swinging madly at breaking balls over and over and over again every single at bat because sometimes the camera isn't on that. Generally, it is. But those are the things you look for that make a difference in players and that's why my eyes tell me more than the metrics do but the metrics finish the picture for me they add in the statistics they they are the piece of the puzzle that makes the puzzle complete but nothing is going to change what i see with my own eyes
1: right so now you're now watching a behind home plate you're usually watching the press box right yes i am and how early do you get to the park now
2: I'm there two hours before the game. I'm there for batting practice. Okay. I'm there at 5 o'clock baseball. So
1: what are you looking for when you're watching batting practice?
2: I want to see what what a player is trying to do. Is he trying to go opposite field? Is he trying to hit the ball out of the park? Is he showing off for his buddies? Or the timing issue, and I never understood this. I don't understand why every team doesn't hire a former pitcher Let him throw fastballs, curveballs, and sliders in batting practice instead of lollipops and cookies. You know, a a hitter can't get his timing down in batting practice because they're not throwing the same type of pitches. You saw the type of pitches they throw when you see the home run derby. Right, right. There's a little bit of speed on it, but there's no movement. So one of the puzzles for me in baseball is why, and I asked Tony LaRusso that question once, why don't you have a former pitcher throwing batting practice? And his answer was quite simple. It's basically the ego of the hitter. The hitters want to put the bat on the ball in batting practice, show off a little, and, you know, and barrel balls. That's it. They get their batting practice back in the cage when they can turn on iron Mike throw the fastballs, throw the curveballs, but not at 5 o'clock BP. Right. And, that, that, and you don't get
1: to watch the cages work, unfortunately. No,
2: not anymore, I don't. Yeah. No.
1: What, and that, that's probably, that would probably be very instructive to watch, though.
2: And that's where hitters are made. Yep. Jeff, I'm going to tell you a story about today's baseball that really, you know, kind of tells it all for you. Scouts that, uh, when, when they have a hitting instructor for the organization – a hitting instructor today, in many cases, not all, will go and watch his minor league teams, and the minor league manager might say, are you going to come out and watch batting practice? And they'll say, no, I'm not going to watch batting practice. Well, are you going to come out and watch the cage? No, I'm not going to come out and watch the cage. Show me the video. Show me the video of this AAA team, and then maybe I can give them some instruction on what I see in the video. Now, that's different, Jeff from when i was a scout mm-hmm. and the fitting instructor went team to team to team in the organization watch batting practice watch the cage watch the games and then watch the video so not all teams do this video thing but based upon the knowledge i have from my friends who worked in minor league baseball It isn't the same as it used to be.
1: No, it isn't. And uh, not always better, right?
2: Uh, Some things are. Some things aren't. You know, everything's relative. And this is the game today. And if you're like me and you say, well, I just want to be old school and do it the way they used to do, forget about it. Get out of the game.
1: Yeah, you you got to do every part, right?
2: You have to adjust. You know, you have to realize that today's game is different. You know, the swing and miss, the walks and the home runs. The three true outcomes dictate the game. Right. You know when you see it, when you see nobody at third base, zero. You have empty real estate between second base and third base. Why in the world wouldn't you try to change your stroke to hit the ball to third base? Why? Why wouldn't you bump down the third base line? But here we are, three, four years into this, nobody's doing it. Very few players are taking the ball to the opposite field if they're left-handed. Very, very few, Jeff.
1: Yeah, it's and both- it's it's always it's all it's, it's always discriminatory against my le- my fellow lefties here. I'm left-handed, so I always get a little angry about that because you they know, get hurt makes, the most.
2: But it's true, you know. Right-handers don't have the same shift issues. Right. And, and when you see a left-handed hitter. Pound the ball into the ground, into short right field over and over and over again. And I'm not going to name them because they're out there. It really does defy. It blows my mind that they don't want to change their stroke because it will ruin their stroke. I get that. Changing your stroke. Jeff, these kids have been doing it since 17 years old. Their batting has, has changed very little since they've been in high school. If you look at, go back and look at film on guys. And that's one of the things they teach you is that people get into a, a habit. They get into a groove. This is their swing.
1: Well, you it's always good. want to hear that you have a repeatable swing. I mean, it's generally considered a good thing to, to, to have that, right? Um, in baseball and in golf, you want to know your own mechanics. If you have to overhaul it completely well, I can see with the reticence of that, especially if you can't hit for power while slapping it the other way, and you know, you know, it's 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 probably easier said than that. especially if they're pitching you a certain way. It's not like they're going to nibble on the outside corner on you if they're shifting to get you to pull. I mean, I remember Mark Tashira; he was one of the first guys that got shifted against a lot, and I felt like it prematurely ended his career. And I, you know, that's just one guy I can think of. But you know, Chris Davis in Baltimore is another one. You know, it's just it just ruined him.
2: It's On and not. Yeah. And, you know, it, there's no money in bunting. You're not going to the pay window with, with telling your general manager, I got five bunts for base hits. It's not happening. No, no, you're not. And it's easier said
1: than done, too, when someone's got 98 in movement, too. Or, you know, it's just like, okay, bunt that down the third base
2: line. It's no problem. Just bunt it. It's not that easy. It's a hard yeah. thing to do. That's the biggest difference in baseball that I have seen is pitching. Yeah, it's not the hitting; it's the pitching. These guys are so big and so strong, and their spin rates are so great. Forget the sticky substances; the 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 spin rates are still off the charts. They're yeah, still they bad. are. These guys have such. If you look, one of the things they taught me at scout school, and here's here's a trick of the trade that not everybody talks about. Look at the length of a pitcher's fingers. Okay? Okay. If a pitcher has long fingers, watch out for the slider and the breaking balls because that grip is totally different than a guy with stubby fingers like mine. <laughs> it's a different baseball game. It's evolution. So they will yep. teach you look at a guy, the length of a guy's fingers. That's wild. You can teach him how to throw breaking balls because he's got the goods. Right. That's right. Never thought of it, right? I mean, it's not something you talk about.
1: No, it isn't. Hey, before we uh, talk about fixing the Diamondbacks, because you see an inordinate amount of Diamondback games, got to share some information from our friends at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks, I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. Winbet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's Fantasy Podcast. Winbet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, moneyline bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want to break from sports betting? Head into Winbet's digital casino and take a spin on Roulette, double down in Blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. Winbet is currently available in six states: Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all roto listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Roto-Wire's fantasy podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Bernie Pleskoff, our man on the scene. Bernie, you watch... More Diamondback games than should be allowed by the Geneva Convention. It's been tough this year. It's been a really rough watch. Even at home, they're not good. Thankfully, you don't go on their road trips. Uh, I feel bad for the the trapped souls that have to go broadcast and cover Diamondback games on the road because it's been rough. How are we going to fix them?
2: Jeff, it's going to take four years. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to happen next year. It's not going to happen in two years. This is a team that has a ton of problems. And part of it, and I'm going to be very candid, is ownership.
1: Yeah, I agree. You
2: know, when you look at uh, allocating resources, is is critical. First, you 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 buy Granky and you and you pay him a lot of money, and then you try for two years to trade him to get him off your books. So you do that. You find a buyer for Granky and he's gone. He's off your books. Thank God. So then you have a general manager come along and do the same thing with Bumgarner all over again. And Bumgarner is not cranky. Bumgarner, the barrels that I saw, I saw Bumgarner's last two starts here in Phoenix. The one was yesterday. The barrels off the bat against Bumgarner are so loud and so strong that it's amazing he isn't giving up 10 runs a game. The guy doesn't have it anymore, and yet they're on the hook with it. And why, after you do that with Granke, do you do it with Bungar? I don't get it. You know, if you're a pitcher away from the World Series, maybe you take a flyer on him for a half a year or a year. Uh-uh. They went all in. And that eats up salary money. Now, ownership has said that they want to renovate uh, Chase Field. They've been saying that for like 10, 15 years, too. But what they want to do is they want to develop everything around them and be the developer. Of course. You know, they they want the real estate. It's like Ricketts
1: in Chicago, right?
2: That's exactly right. Ken Kendrick isn't Ricketts, though. Hmm. And I think now, now, with Mike Hazen being on administrative leave due to the illness of his wife, which is severe, They have a front office issue. Um, They have a trade deadline coming up. Uh, They just lost their PR director. Josh uh, will now be the president of the Hall of Fame. So now you're looking at assets that are depreciated. Right. You know, what are you going to get for Eduardo Escobar? I don't know. You know, there are teams... The Brewers could use Eduardo Escobar at third base, without a doubt. But you know what? What do you have to trade to the Diamondbacks to get Eduardo Escobar? You know, uh, David Peralta is a good hitter, but how old is David Peralta? He is 33 years old. Right. You know, who's going to trade for 33-year-old David Peralta? Or 32-year-old Eduardo Escobar. This team got old awfully quickly. Nick Ahmed is one of the best shortstops I have ever seen defensively. Why do I say that? I watch him every single game. The guy is amazingly magnetic at shortstop. He's 31. He'd be a great fit for your Reds tomorrow. 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 Why? Because he is a great defensive shortstop. They don't need offense from shortstop. The Reds need a great defensive shortstop. But who do the Reds trade for a 31-year-old shortstop? So how do the how do the Diamondbacks get better? I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's going to take a while, especially when you got the Dodgers and Padres, like in the in this, you know,
2: and the Giants
1: and the Giants, and of course the Giants, the first place Giants. Yes, not just, yeah, not the afterthought, but the first place Giants. Yeah, uh, it's just everyone saw the Dodgers and Padres loading for bear this year. We didn't see the Giants
2: coming like this, but here we are. The best trade ship is Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly, yeah. as I I told you at the beginning of the season, Merrill Kelly is a professional pitcher. He's really good. And so is Gallon, but Gallen was hurt. His trade value is not as great as Merrill Kelly's. I think if they're smart, that's the only pitcher they move because they need Gallen. But they need to, to move Kelly and they need to get a boatload of young talent in return because every team in contention wants a pitcher and they want a guy like Merrill Kelly. So his price tag could be through the roof. But the Diamondbacks have to be careful here. They could be asking too much, and they may be sitting there at July 30th waiting for the ideal deal, and the clock runs out. So I don't trust that they're going to do this right.
1: Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. All right, let's move on from the Diamondbacks. They're depressing. Let's talk about a happier topic. Let's talk about you. How did you? How did you get into? How did you get into scouting? How did you start working in baseball?
2: I was the um, director. I was the dean of residence life, and then I became the um, dean of campus life at Loyola University of Chicago. Yeah, your alma mater. I was there for 27 years. One of the people on my staff, when he was a grad assistant, was Tim Perpura. Mm-hmm. Tim Perpura and I, one day, were on the street at a ball game. We used to leave my office at, you know, five o'clock and catch every night game at Wrigley, which weren't that often at that time. right? And we would go to plenty of day games right through lunch and, you know, spend a couple hours and come back. Well, Tim, in front of me, I remember him doing it, asked Roland Heeman, look, Mr. Heeman, I'm a great fan of yours. How do I get in baseball? And Heeman said, son, you've got to go to law school. Well, Tim Perpearl went to law school while he was in law school, started to work for the Angels as a gopher, went to get coffee, you know. Right, get right. The, Guys at the airport and work his way up, got out of the Angels organization and went to the Padres, the Angels, ultimately to the Houston Astros right. and became general manager. So Tim and I were very close all through all through his time at Loyola and he uh, allowed me to scout for him when he became a general manager. So I was actually working at Loyola and sending Tim scouting reports on both Chicago teams. Ultimately, he hired me, sent me to scout school, hired me as a member of his staff, reporting directly to the general manager, which was very different. And Jeff, in scouting, there are two types of scouts. There's a an amateur scout and a pro scout. An amateur scout looks at players in high school, and in college, before they sign a contract, and a pro scout picks up a player after he signs a contract, and I was signed as a pro scout, and a lot of guys didn't like that because you know I skipped the whole amateur scout route. So I worked for the I worked for the um, uh, Astros. Tim got fired, as all general managers do. Right, and, and in two weeks, I got the call. Look, you're Tim's guy. Unfortunately, we're going to have to let you go. So then I went to the Seattle Mariners. And I worked for Billy Bavesi, who is a wonderful GM. And we made a fateful trade. We traded. <laughs> let me get this right. We <laughs> traded five guys for Eric Bedard. Yes. And I will never forget it because I was on the phone. Um, the big, the big name in the in that trade uh, was the center fielder, Adam Jones. Yeah, started as a second baseman
1: at one point in time, and then became a center fielder.
2: He was twenty two years old. Yep. And I was on the phone along with all the scouts, and my mentor was eighty seven years old, Bill Kearns. He was just great. He was screaming on the phone. I never heard him do that. He was a soft spoken guy. It, it was Adam Jones, and then it was Adam Jones and George Sherrill, who was at the time 33, a left-handed reliever. Then it was Adam Jones, Ger- uh, George Sherrill, and Chris Tillman. That's when I went ballistic. Chris Tillman was 19. I loved Chris Tillman's arm. We were going to give up Chris Tillman and Adam Jones. And then they added on... Cam, Nicolio, and Tony Butler, five for one for, for Bedard. The, the, every scout went ballistic because Eric Bedard had never pitched on a winning team. He came from the Orioles. He was, I think, 29 at the time. He was in his prime but never pitched under pressure. He comes to the Mariners, immediately gets a pain in the butt, had to sit down, and it was a disaster for us.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Billy Bavese got fired. A month after Billy Bavese got fired, I got the call. And the man at the time was named Pelikudas. He was the acting general manager. And he said, Bernie, you graded uh, this guy, and I won't name the guy, a 50, and you changed it to a 45. Why'd you do that? I said, You know why? Because he's hurt. He's not playing. He's a utility guy now when he comes back. Right. He's a 45. He's as good as the last time I saw him. Well, you know what, Bernie, we're going to move on. So thank you for your service. Wow. So that second time, Jeff, that after a general manager was fired, I got fired. So I said to myself, you know, I don't know if I want to continue to get fired. I also had I w- I had interest in from the Orioles and I had interest in from another club and I I can't remember, oh, it was the Rangers. I actually flew out um, and met someone in the airport and interviewed with the Rangers. And I said, I'm never going through this again. And that's when I started to work for MLB.com and Rotowire, started writing about scouting because it's very depressing to have your general manager leave because in nine times out of 10, they bring in their own staff and it would only happen to me again.
1: It's a tough business. You know, everybody wants in, but it's a really tough racket.
2: And it's tougher now than ever. And I that's why my hats off to Jason Gray. Jason yeah. Gray is a great scout. And he's been I just saw him the other day. You asked me about him. I just saw him two days ago. He was in Phoenix. We had a long talk. He said to say hello. That's why I respect a guy like Jason Gray. He has been with Tampa. He has not lost his job. He's been promoted. I think at some point Jason Gray could be a GM, but that that clock is ticking. But he has stayed with Tampa, and they have stayed with him. But that's very rare.
1: Yeah, it is. It has to have a. You have to have some success as a franchise to be able to do that, especially in these days in ages. So that's good. That, that's awesome.
2: Uh, so I had some great moments as a scout, Jeff. Yeah, you know, um, meeting meeting with wonderful people and going to scout school sitting and talking, like I said, with Bobby Knopp and Roland Heman and listening to Bill Kearns. And Frank Maddox was 49. I don't know if you've ever heard of Frank Maddox. He was a scout with the Mariners. He was watching television on a mm-hmm. Sunday night, had an aneurysm and died. Ugh. You know, these are two great mentors in my life. And you know, I'll never forget them. But there have been great moments traveling every team in California from the AAA down to the class A advance. The Mariners sent me off through California. Being in small towns and big cities, watching every Cal- California team play. That's great. You know, that's yeah. great for me. And meeting such wonderful baseball players.
1: That's awesome. Sounds like a, a heck of a career and you know, quite a life. And yeah, I, it's going from Loyola all the way to that and just the <laughs> route that you took. And it's so funny. You know, I went to Loyola Law School. Um, I was past the bar, got sworn in, never practiced. Peter Schenke came to me and said, hey, I got this idea of this uh, website we can do. I know you do really well in our like And I always wanted to work in sports. And I found myself not in interviewing. It's like, <laughs> well, why? Oh, it's because I don't like it. I don't like most of the attorneys I cross paths with. That's and, amazing. And next, you know, a few, you know, there's a lot of dot stuff in uh, dot, dot, dot is doing a lot of work. there. There's a lot of work in between, but getting to there to where I am now and all that, it's, it's pretty wild. Uh, it's the path we take.
2: You know, and having gone to law school like you did, you know, do you ever say, boy, I wish I would have taken a different path, but you're very happy doing what you're doing.
1: Oh, heck yeah. I love what I do. I came out clean on the other side. I don't regret it for a moment. I do. I mean, I, part of me is like, could I have done better in law school? Could I have gotten a better job? Maybe, but then I wouldn't have been able to do this. I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have had these wonderful kids. You know, there's, there's a lot of sliding doors there. And so I'm, I'm happy with the way it worked out.
2: You went to Northwestern as an undergrad, right? That's right. Yep. which is a fabulous, fabulous school. So you went to two great schools. You have a terrific education. And now you're using what you learned, even though you're not practicing law. Believe me, I'm sure you look at all of this stuff from a legalistic issue as well.
1: Sure. And it made me an incredibly a, a better writer as well. I don't know it made me an incredible writer, but it improved me qu- quite a bit. Uh, so that, right. that that's the other sure. aspect of it, too. Oh, man. I, we could talk forever about this. Unfortunately, we cannot talk forever about this. Uh, but, uh, Bernie, this has been a great conversation. Really enjoyed uh, talking with you. What's on your plate next?
2: Well, I'm doing an article for uh, for Monday about players on every team that I think are tradable. Okay. So if you're a rotowire.com subscriber or if you just want to try us out, uh, my article will be up on Monday morning, and I talk every contending team's trade chips, people that I think that they should trade and what they need to fill. So that's coming up on Monday. At Forbes this week, I will start a series of scouting reports on different team players. Like, I'm going to probably start in August with the Brewers. One of my favorite teams to watch is the Milwaukee Brewers. They have some great prospects that I will be doing scouting reports on at at Forbes.com, and you can always follow me on Twitter at Bernie Plastov. And Jeff, yesterday was a tough day for me on Twitter. I got totally misrepresented in a tweet to the Pittsburgh Pirates, and these people were vicious to me. Oh no! That's the Twitter Twitter world. If you have an opinion and you're wrong in their eyes, but that's life, and that's part of what I have to live with. And I'm happy on Twitter to be engaging with fans, and when you do that. You're subject to ridicule and criticism. That's what happened to me yesterday, Jeff. But I have to overcome it and admit that maybe in their eyes I was wrong. Maybe I misrepresented what I was thinking. But it was, you know, difficult for me to understand Pittsburgh Pirates spending $3 million on a third-round draft choice. To me, it wasn't Pittsburgh-like, but I guess they've done it in the past. I wasn't aware that they spent millions on their over-slot over on draft picks. So yeah.
1: Well, and that happens sometimes, and you, you, know, you learn. And, yeah, sometimes the medium reveals the person, too. Like they, were, they, they, they can be that caustic, but when you're in that medium, they can turn up the juice a little bit there sometimes, unfortunately. But usually I've seen your interactions with your followers be a lot more positive because you're always positive, positive. Um, and so I like seeing that.
2: At Bernie Pleskov on Twitter, it was great to be with you, Jeff, and I love being a part of Road Rotowire. I had been for years. And I hope to for the rest of my life.
1: Right? All right. Sounds like a plan. Very good. All right. That's going to conclude today's podcast sponsored by WinBet. Go to uh, download the WinBet uh, app and you, in those six states and you get started on that. Uh, tomorrow will be two-star stars with Todd and Clay.
2: Make sure to tune in for that as well.
1: Thanks for listening to the Rotowire podcast.
2: Have a great day.